Do you have trouble turning off your brain meat at night? I invite you to take a break from your thoughts and listen to ours for a while. This is Overthinking with Steph. Quit overthinking alone, overthinking with Steph is better. We're overthinking together. Yep, that was stupid. Let's come up with a whole new intro. Oh, Steph. <laughs> the joys of entrepreneurship. It's, um... It's something that keeps me up at night, you know? It's very glamorous life we lead, Cassie. <laughs> it is very, very true. The craziness of entrepreneurship. So Cassie and I were sitting here um, without the... Oh, we got to take Rusty's tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kayla's got it. <laughs> um, we were sitting here after recording, <laughs> just talking, and I'm like, we should be recording this because this is what is on our minds at all times. Even when I'm sleeping, I am having dreams about work, Oh, and yeah. I wake up with like nail prints sometimes in my hand because I make fists when I sleep and I'm like doing things wrong even in my sleep. It's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it plagues me. Like it's, it's all I think about day and night. I mean, for sure. And I feel like entrepreneurs, I mean, there's, there's this glory around being an entrepreneur. Like there's, you know, all these dreams and everyone wants to be one. Everyone wants to, to be an entrepreneur and start their own business and do this. And people dream about it. And, you know, they dream about it because they want money and success and fame, um, that a lot of these entrepreneurs are getting nowadays. I mean, the, the Adam Newbins of, of, um, we work and you, you see, mm. you know, Elon Musk and, and, um, Zuckerberg and, and you're seeing these people who are just uh, you fantasize about being these rich and successful entrepreneurs but truthfully 80% of entrepreneurs that start a business they don't do it for the money or the success or the fame they do it because they want freedom and I know that like for me when I started my business like I hated the nine to five I hated the the cubicles the office being stuck and oh tied to God, something and yes. working for someone telling you what to do. I was so desperate when I quit my job to just get out. I didn't care if I made what I made at, at Hurley. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Freedom. Freedom is what it's about. Not any type of fame and fortune. It's getting out and doing your own thing, making your own schedule, traveling, and yep. being able to meet new people and, and um, form these relationships that I felt like I couldn't do when I was stuck. Exactly. Exactly. And that... That is what entrepreneurship really, really is. And, and when you talk about freedom, I mean, you're, you're bound by your own rules, mm. you know? So it's, it's more what you, you know, you make your schedule every day. So therefore I wake up excited to do that, if yep. that makes sense. Oh yeah. I could work 18 hours a no day problem. and it goes by like that yep. and wake up the next morning and I'm excited to do that next 18 hour day, you yeah. know, but it is a lonely, lonely life sometimes. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> Yeah. It's the loneliest, mm -hmm. especially, I mean, as you know, you're building a team right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when I started my company, it was literally just me by myself. I was an apartment locator. I, when, I, when I met you, you worked in, out of a little house by SMU, yeah. right? With what, two, three desks maybe? No, literally, like that's it. Like that was it, it was me and like two other that people. That was four years ago, Yeah, Cassie. Six, six years six, ago. Six, six. I met, but so I did meet you six years ago. Yeah. Okay. That was a while ago. Yeah. That was a while ago. But I remember walking into Smart City Apartment yes. Locating, and I was like, this is the cutest little thing. And now I walk in, and it's... Yeah. 
massive 500 square foot office is what we had six years ago and literally next week we're moving to a 15,000 square foot office in Dallas and casually having a baby and casually having a baby and moving so you're you're tackling a lot but that's a massive place how many people do you have working with you now I have 180 people right now is it 180 180 I feel like I've done your headshots every year for the past couple of years and it went from like Let's take five headshots. Yep. Oh, Steph, can you shoot 200 people can now? Can you shoot 200 people? It's not a yeah, big deal, right? and overnight, yeah. almost. How I, did you do that, and what... Are you crazy? I'm literally insane. <laughs> like, it feels like it some days, honestly. Um, and if I could tell somebody... If I could go back and tell myself, I'd be like, hey, probably don't grow past, like, 120 people. But now I'm, like, I'm committed to the growth. Oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm here on. for it now. Um, and I want to talk about... I want to talk about your business, too, because it's grown wildly in the last two years since I've known you. And... Um, you know, going from, going from just a couple of people, you know, when you find something, when you find that something that actually works, it's like, okay, well now I need to work on something else. So I'm going to write down what this job should be. Mm -hmm. And here's the job description. And here's, you know, here's the instruction manual, you know what I mean? And, and, and now here's the process and and the systems and, and boom, now you do this job and I'm going to focus on something else. And, and honestly, it, it keeps going. Like every time that I would hire someone, it would be like, okay, now you do this, which is what I was doing before. And now I'm going to step up and do something a little bit differently. And now mm-hmm. I've got to hire people to manage that. And so, you know, now when you look at, when you look at my team, like I'm managing the managers who manage managers, who manage managers, who manage the team. Oh so it's, it's just, a, it's a different world and it is a lonely, lonely place. And to you be. think about it, like when you're trusting someone to do something that is it's your baby. This yeah. is your baby. Oh, yeah. You built this from nothing. And that's how I feel about my, my career too. Then you hire these people that you trust who sometimes end up being your friends because you trust your friends, right? Without a doubt. Without a then doubt. you think that's a great decision at the time. I, ha- I get to work with all of my friends. Yeah. I trust them. But it gets a little nutty sometimes and can get very, um, uh, it hits close to home. So you talked about two different things, um, and, and I and I want to touch on both of them because they're both critical. So mixing work with friends, to me, I will never, ever, ever do it again. Yeah. I won't ever do it again. Yeah. I, I won't. Um, and even like starting a business, anything like that, working with friends is an absolute nightmare because people think they can compartmentalize because I can compartmentalize mm-hmm. all day long, but it, it, you can't. No one can you, do it as good you, as absolutely. you and I. The, the truth is, and, but you mentioned trust, and I, I want to talk about that separately because that's an entirely different thing. Trust is critical in business. Mm-hmm. Like the people that I've hired and the people that I surround myself with and the people in my company, I trust to the moon and back. I'm, right. I'm telling you, and I have to, mm-hmm. I have to trust them because I need to give them the freedom and the autonomy to make decisions and to, to trust that, that they're doing the right thing. And so I don't hire people based on, on their experience mm-hmm. or their skill set. I hire people on the potential of their skill set and I hire people on culture mm-hmm. because I know that if you're a good human and you live by our core values and you believe in the things that I believe in, um, then, then, then I know that you're going to make good decisions for this company. And if you don't, that's okay because I'm going to coach you through that and we're going to talk about it. Right. Um, and, and my leadership team, I expect them to coach their people through that because it's not about making making mistakes because mistakes are okay and they happen. It's 
owning those mistakes and having responsibility for them and saying, Hey, I screwed up. This is what I learned from it. And here I'm going to go, you know, uh, improve myself, or I'm going to go focus on, on uh, some business books or whatever that is mm-hmm. to, to make sure I don't make these mistakes again. Right. Um, and I would say probably the biggest mistake I've ever made in business was working with my friends. Yeah. And yeah. that's, um, do you feel like, how did that change things for your business when certain things fell through with those friendships? I mean, it was, it was crazy. The business was growing so fast Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was naive. I was young. I didn't know anything. Shit. I still don't know anything. Um, uh, but it's just, I was trying to figure things out. You know, I read 60 books in a year Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what's next. How do I do this? And, you know, I would talk to the people who I thought were my friends who also worked for me. And it was such a conflict of interest that I was like, Hey, I should do this and this and this. And what if I changed the role to be this? And they're like, that's my livelihood, my livelihood. You can't change that role. Mm. And then it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like, so I had no one to talk to. Right. I hired all my friends and my wife love her to death, but (laughs) she didn't want to deal with me. And so it was a lonely place to be because I'm like, who can I kick these ideas around with? Who can I talk to? Because like, I know that I'm not right. I, I, I don't know anything. I'm, yeah. I, this is my first time doing any of this. Mm-hmm. And like, I got to make sure I make the right decisions for this business and for the people in it. But I can't talk to the people inside the business because it, because it affected them. Right. And there were decisions that affected them. It was, it was a lonely place to be. It's, it's still a lonely place to be. Mm. Man, I, I feel like, I mean, Kayla was mentioning how she can't imagine how I function because I have, honestly, I come home to my dog and my brain. And it's, it is exhausting. And I was telling you earlier, like trying to rally and go out with people while having social anxiety to the max, which most, most people wouldn't know about me, but then being completely exhausted from talking to myself in my head and going through all of these situations because I don't have anyone to talk to, or, um, I've talked to the wrong people, like you said before, and it comes back to bite me in the butt. Yeah. But, and you're growing so fast too. I mean, what's your team look like now? Um, it's, I mean, there's probably between 10 and 15 of us kind of scattered around the U S depending on where the jobage is jobage, jobage, (laughs) jobage. Um, I think that there was a time where I was just terrified of growing Mm -hmm. and, um, wouldn't trust people with what I could do because yeah, there, there is a point where people are hiring me based off of the experience with me. Yes. And that's the case with LGBT weddings. So I couldn't, I couldn't just bring someone else on to be me. So the wedding thing, I'm a lone wolf. The corporate side of things, it's a little bit easier. Um, I match my clients based off of who I think they'll work well with uh, to tell the story. So it's, it's growing, but there was a time where I just stayed very stagnant because I wouldn't trust anyone. And that trust liberates you and you don't realize it yeah. in the beginning, especially as an entrepreneur, if you're doing your own thing and you're like, well, this has worked for so long. If I change it, the risk is to lose everything, right? You right. know, to trust is to lose everything, but it's actually the opposite mm. to trust is to gain everything, you know? And, and yeah, there's people who are going to burn you like right. without a doubt, like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up clients mm-hmm. stuff. Like people are going to mess up. Like that's the nature of human beings. Right. But the more honest and open you can be and the more you trust people and the more you start bringing on the right people, like that is what scales a business. That's what makes you grow. And I think bringing on the people that have been following my work for a while too, I think that is 
Very important because then yeah. they see the vision and it, it becomes real to them. And they can emulate that. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So it, it's, um, it's been a wild ride. I'll be celebrating 10 years in February. It's amazing. Congrats. Thanks. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm just tired yeah. and I don't even, I don't know how you actually function because I have a team of, you know, 10. You're, you're with your people all the time. Mine are kind of scattered about. Yeah. I'm, I'm just tired. I'm tired and I'm lonely. Burnout is so, it's real. so real. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it, the thing is, is that most entrepreneurs, because what drives them is this sense of freedom, again, 80%, 20% are driven by all the things that I don't give a fuck about, which right. is success and fame and yeah. money and those things. Man, the fame, the fame, sorry, I cut you off. No, but like, you're great. When I went viral... I mean, you don't, you don't make something go viral and you don't stop it from going viral. It just takes yeah, off. Just People happens. like what they like and they want to share it. I didn't ask for any type of like fame or mm-hmm. following, but when it happens, you just gotta, gotta go with it and make the best of it. But it's, it's terrifying to be running a business and a brand with my name in it Yeah. because you say the wrong thing or you offend the wrong person and your whole business crush like crumbles, but it's also yeah. my name. You know, mm-hmm. and I've overthought that many a time. The, the podcast is called Overthinking. Overthinking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. There's um, that's normal though. That's scary. Yeah. And most entrepreneurs do have some sort of, and this is something that people just don't talk about, but some sort of um, imbalance mm-hmm. when it comes to you know uh, hypomania or bipolar or ADHD right. or you know they they call ADHD and, and bipolar the CEO disease. Yeah. I mean because it comes with these highs of highs. Do you take medication and for lows it? of lows. I, I take yes. So do I. Um, yes, <laughs> no I shame. do. I do. Um, I definitely take take Adderall. I have to mm-hmm. um, to be able to focus because I'm do ADHD to the max. Adderall XR. I switched the over the stuff. extended release. It's yeah. not, it does not work. It does the not XR work anymore. Is not working. See, I only take it like once a week. Yeah. Um, when only when I paperwork have, and, literally yeah. paperwork, spreadsheets, all of that stuff yeah. um, for the most part. But, um, but I work in cycles and I don't right. know if this is similar to, mm-hmm. to you. And I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who are kind of, who go through this, but you know, I'll have, you know, a couple months of, of just 80 hour work weeks. The, yeah. Like, nuts where I am working around the clock. Nothing can stop me. I'm on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have three months of, I'm struggling to get out of bed the lows, yeah. because I hate myself. I'm, I have not achieved enough. I am, I feel so guilty for it's taking like a day off work. Of beating yourself up. Literal uh, uh, guilt. Even though you just worked your ass off for yeah. three months. It, yes. I, there are days where I, I literally look at Kayla and I'm like, I am nothing. I am insignificant. Yeah. I, I, I am a, piece of crap for not getting up and going to work today yep. like I, I have not achieved anything like you mm-hmm. know like I have nothing to show and she literally looks at me and she's like you're an idiot like <laughs> you're, you're an idiot you have a company of 180 people right. we, we do 20 million a year in revenue we're scaling at a at a rate of 50 to 80 percent a year you know year over year growth average I mean this is just we're growing like a weed right. and I still I, I don't feel like I've done enough is that helpful in that moment? What, what, what do you need in that moment when you are at your lowest? What helps? You know, does hearing that help her say, dude, you're, you're an idiot? Because I love Caleb for that, and I wish <laughs> yeah, someone would say that to me. But she's so real. <laughs> no, it, I love that about her. I just, I wonder, I know exactly what I need in every single moment. And having yeah. to be calculated about who I go to for that, 
Sometimes I just need a hug. Yeah. How sad is that though? I don't have physical touch on the regular. Yeah. Um, Rusty, great snuggler. I'm sure there'd be a lot of girls out there who'd give you some physical touch. I'm I'm just saying. Then it gets complicated. I mean. Right? (laughs) Then you have to like calculate your cuddling and like make sure that you don't. I gotta calculate my cuddling. It's true. That is the most business owner thing I've ever heard I'll be honest. Like there are times when I'm like, I just want someone to hold me and watch a show. Because I won't watch a show by myself. I won't relax. I don't even think I see a TV in your yeah, it, loft. It's, it's I'm hidden up there. literally here right now and there's no TV. Yeah, it, it, I cannot sit and allow myself to, yeah. like I have to be reading a book yeah. about being an entrepreneur or growing or self-care. I can't just sit and unplug unless someone is there with me. And then that complicates things because, I mean, being a lesbian you know, it's a very close-knit community. Definitely. You know, um, so calculated cuddling. Calculated cuddling. That <laughs> anyway, is I don't know how I got on that. But the, lonely, the loneliness is, uh, it can be torture. Yeah. I also really like being by myself. So it's this constant, um, for me, it's a constant tug of war between wanting to be completely private and unplug from social not unplug from social media but like get a pager again and throw my phone out the window I would love that so much but then there's oh I gotta run my business and I have to be visible and vocal for the people who cannot and then it's like this constant war inside of me the where I'm I'm so tired (laughs) what does your network look like for entrepreneurs like do you know a lot of other people who are kind of doing what you're doing in the space or you know working for themselves or growing businesses yeah um so my my favorite thing is when you and I and Lacey and Kat get together for our meeting of the minds and we go to local and we have the seven course meal and we talk about everything work how lonely it, it can be um I do look forward to that. I know you guys are doing things a little bit differently than me. Um, and social media looks different for, um, all of you, but those, those are important to me. Those times are important. And I dread a lot of social things and I do not dread spending time with you guys. Um, but yeah, there, there are some, some people that I, um, can call who get it, but it almost seems exhausting to then talk about it when I've already talked about it in my head. I just want to like sit sometimes. Well, sometimes it's nice to know that like there's other people who are going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, I thought I was alone for the longest time in this. Um, and you know, there's so many podcasts, so many things that talk about, uh, growing a business and how wonderful it is and how, you know, but no one really talks about the darkness Mm -hmm. of it, not the hard, because there's, there's hard parts about growing a business, but like the internal mental struggle of never feeling like you've done enough. And it's that anxious achievement. And it's usually comes from kind of a dark and haunted past. It does because it comes from something probably that's personal in your personal life that is affecting your business. Definitely. And if you don't do the work for yourself personally, it's going to be that way constantly. Yeah. Um, and it's like, how do I have time to invest in myself? I'm trying to run this business, right? Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's exhausting. I was reading a, a book by Mel Robbins yesterday. Have you read any of her stuff? Um, just talking about busyness and being busy for the sake of being busy. Yeah, it and it, it stems from needing to feel valued really that's what I can relate to that so much like when you feel like you're 
you know, in high demand or you're busy or whatever, then you're, you're viewed as important. People yes. need me, right? It's, it's, I have nothing else to say about that, but it's true. It's so true. I, I think that, that for me, I'm surprisingly, I, I consider myself lazy. Um, <laughs> and I know my, my wife literally is shaking her head right now because she's like, you're not lazy. No, like, no. but I, I like to consider myself lazy because, and I think entrepreneurs should be a little bit lazy because they think about the easiest way to get to from point A to point B, mm-hmm. you know, the easiest way to get to a solution. So, yeah. so I'm a, I'm a big problem solver. And all I do is think about, well, what's the easiest way to get from here to there. Right. Mm-hmm. So it forces me to step back and stop being busy to sit and think and say, what are the few things that get to the results quicker. Mm-hmm. So, so instead of you know, focusing on those busy things, I, I step back and I say, okay, well, I'm focusing on this, this, and this, and this, but truthfully, I could pay somebody else to do those things. Mm-hmm. And if I pay somebody else to do those things, what are the biggest, most impactful things that I could be doing today to drive the business forward? Yeah. And so every single morning when I wake up, I look at that because I get into the, the realm of busyness as well, because then I'm just busy, I'm busy, I'm doing stuff. And then when I really, really look and, and, and analyze what I'm doing all day, none of those things actually push the business forward. Mm. And that, that is critical. Yeah. Um, and so looking at that, I feel like that when you're looking at busyness versus productivity, because they're two different things, mm-hmm. you have to analyze the day and say, okay, I'm going to push towards that. But it's not always easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we, we, we easily slide back into the realm of busyness in order to feel value and to feel like you were talking about, mm-hmm. um, to feel that, that sense of recognition and, and being needed. Right. Yeah. But and it's the opposite. What are, what are your, what are your friendships look like now that you're, I mean, you've been successful in business since I've known you. Um, this is a completely new level. I feel like for you, how did, how do friendships change and how you maybe have to be more selective in, um, uh, the, the, the reason I ask this is because I, a lot of my friends give me a hard time for, um, I'm a bad texter. I mean, I am. You are a bad texter. I'm a horrible I texter. I, I also hate <laughs> phone calls. Yeah. I hate phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, with social media, have you ever dealt with, you probably haven't dealt with this, but like if someone texts me or I step away from my phone for an hour, there will be texts and texts and texts and notifications and all. It's overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know? But so I still have to keep running my business. So I'll post something on social and then the texts keep coming. I saw that you're posting on social and you're not getting back to me. I can't do that anymore. I, I might have to cut this whole part out of the podcast because I can't do needy friends. Yeah. I always I grew up and that stems back going going back to personal things. Growing up, someone always needed something from me. I was the source of my mom's joy and happiness. You know, yeah. like I had to be the bubbly one who was on at all times and couldn't have any type of negative feeling. So now if someone needs something from me in any capacity, I'm almost like just spent. Do you, you know? think your parents listen to this stuff? No. And you really don't think so? Like I, secretly you don't no. think they go and look? Nope. I, I, would, I would completely doubt it. I came out when I was 24, and I don't think my dad has ever even talked about me being gay or addressed any of it. Um, so there are times like my mom will, I mean, I haven't talked with them since last year. 
Uh, I had to put up a few boundaries for my mental health and sanity, but um, it's, it's very exhausting, that part of it, too, because I feel like for a decade I spent so much time and energy trying to get them to love me the way that I felt like I should be loved. And I finally had to come to terms with the fact that that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And now my energy has to be invested in me, you know, so going to therapy and, and all of that. But I don't know. I I know my mom, I've, I've flown her out here a couple times. She saw my, my last loft. Mm -hmm. Um, and she cried because she had no idea that I was successful. I've I've been interviewed by Fossil in the face of their campaign. I've been recognized on the California Senate floor. Don't they probably don't even know about it? Wow. Yeah, it's it's very disappointing that religion could keep um, them from the person they brought into this world. It's sad because they're really missing out on a good thing. I I now know that. Before yeah. I would beat myself up because I'm like, you know, if if my parents can't even accept me how am I supposed to even love myself how is someone else supposed to love me yeah right and then it's I just get used to beating myself up on the regular it's almost like part of the schedule you know so to finally be taking care of myself and that's a I mean a 36 years of some extreme trauma and religious abuse and um, yeah, I think that that does affect business. The personal side of things completely affects my business. I think it drives you to be more successful because mm-hmm. you don't have that safety net. Yeah. You know, and it drives you to to achieve and achieve and achieve because that's satisfying a need that you didn't have yep. before. That's exactly You know? It. Yeah. And um, what were, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, since we're talking about parents. Since we're talking about parents. Since we're talking about parents. What do you, do you feel like your parents were were proud of you when they were alive? Um, this is so the, I had a, I had a very interesting upbringing. I'll I'll do the the one minute run through. So I was actually raised very very wealthy. Um, and when I say very wealthy, I mean like Lear jets, helicopters, bodyguards to school, uh, limos. So like freakishly like that. Freakishly wealthy. Um, my father was in bonds, um, before the internet. Um, so they were able to take like really high rips off of trades, um, before the internet basically told you what the price of the stock was. So our price bond was. So, um, anyways, something happened with his company, um, where they, the, the wall street journal said something negative about his company and it basically like tanked his company. Um, and so they sued the wall street journal for the highest libel case in in its time. It was like a $200 million case. It was like an unheard of. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and all this crazy stuff happened, like a, a warehouse full of files burned down. Like this pilot who had all this information died in a plane crash, like crazy, crazy shit happened. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately my parents were spending millions and millions of dollars fighting this lawsuit, hoping to get this settlement. And they kept fighting, made some bad investments, bought some more, did all this stuff to where by the time I was 13 years old, lost it all, lost everything. We were on food stamps. Oh my God. Everything. So I went from extreme wealth to homelessness. Mm -hmm. Our house was foreclosed. The cars were repossessed. The boats were repossessed. Everything that we had was gone. My father became a heroin addict. My mother became an alcoholic. Um, and I was forced to get a job at 14 to help support my family. So, so 
at that point I had moved out at 16, took my brother with me. Um, and he also deals with some addiction issues, but I don't touch, I don't even drink. Um, because I have, I have that in me because both of my parents are addicts. So both of my parents have passed now, um, both from their addiction. And so recently, recently, yeah, my dad passed a year ago, but I hadn't spoken to him for two years. Mm -hmm. So, um, just because, I mean, we could go deep into this, but like my, my dad gave me drugs when I was 15 years old, like got me hooked on methamphetamines. So, I mean like just crazy shit. Like I don't do any drugs now. Um, but got me hooked on stuff, like gave me weed, gave me, you know, pretty much everything. Um, and it was just, it was, I had a really, really rough upbringing, but going from being very, very wealthy to very, very poor, I am very, I like nice things, Mm -hmm. but I am driven by frugality. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's this, this thing to achieve. It's very, very hard to achieve what my father achieved, you know, because he achieved very much in his life and then lost everything. And so the constant fear in my life is I'm going to be just like my parents. I'm going to lose everything and die alone. And that is where it gets really fucking deep. That's where it gets deep and dark. And so when we talk about, you know, entrepreneurship and all this stuff, yes, I want my freedom. I want my dream, but I also don't want to lose everything and die alone from an addiction. And so, you know, I always talk to my, my wife and I'm like, Kayla, you know, if we're broke tomorrow, do you love me still? And she's like, of course. And it's like, it it doesn't really have anything to do with money. It just has to do with losing everything that I have. And so those fears drive my success. And so there's a lot of guilt that comes when I take a day off work. Um, so I, I have no problem working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. And when I take a day off, I mean, I just took one off a couple, a couple weeks ago. I took a day off like a Thursday. I just like, did you feel bad? Were you good? Oh my God. I was so guilty. I thought I just, it was just so (laughs) awful. Did you read teen fantasy books? Teen fantasy books? (laughs) Yes. Um, No, I just, I hung out with Kayla all day because we, we we're, we're about to not have time for yeah, us. For so I'm like years. trying to spend as much. Yeah, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, we just went down a, a dark rabbit hole, but, um, but yeah, I mean, do, do I think that our, our past lives, like, like how we're raised, do they have a part in that? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I think that, you know, there, there's a, have you heard of the grit scale? No. Um, so it's like, okay. So grit is like how hard you'll keep going. Um, how hard you'll persevere. Mm. Um, even in the face of obstacles, right? So 10 means, um, like, don't look, sorry, not, not as a grit scale. So like you either have grit or you don't have grit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a scale of that, but like when you look at how someone was uh, brought up 10 being have the, having the most opportunities in the world and zero having no opportunities zero is like homeless orphan, mm-hmm. you know, like, like the worst of the worst, the people who have the most success are like the threes and the sevens because sevens weren't handed everything. Whereas tens were handed everything. And then the threes had a really hard life, but not the hardest. Yeah. And then the fives and the zeros and the tens do the worst, mm. like in success and in business. So it's, it's really interesting to kind of look at that and kind of see where I would put myself on that. Cause like, I would say I was probably like, a three or a four because I had a really rough upbringing. Um, but I know people who had a pretty good upbringing, like, you know, upper middle class sevens, not handed everything, but they're also extremely successful as well. So Mm -hmm. anyways, dark rabbit hole. What, what do you, so what keeps you up at night when you are laying in bed? What's that one thing that haunts you? The fear of losing everything. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's not the financial aspect of it because I don't care about money because I know my skill set is very unique and I can go start a company again. So it's not the money aspect. It's my wife, 
my kid, what if my kid hates me? Mm-hmm. What if, what if I've done something wrong or I work too much and they hate me? Um, what if my, you know, like losing friendships, losing, um, you know, just losing everything, right. you know, and ending up alone. Like that's why I want like 19 kids. Yeah. Not really, but <laughs> my poor wife's body. <laughs> Kayla just passed out in the corner. <laughs> Kayla's like, no, I'm not having 19 kids. <laughs> but like, I, you know, I, I want a big family cause I didn't really have one. I didn't really have that. And mm-hmm. I want inclusivity and I yeah. want love and I want to talk about the real things that are going on and I don't want to just shove everything under a rug and let's pretend like nothing exists like right. especially when it comes to religion you know yeah. I was fortunate in the way that when when it came to religion my parents put all the books in front of me the bible mm. the quran I love that. Like, literally they put everything in front of me they said you choose yep you know you choose even what if you like be. picking bits and pieces from each one as Create long as it is teaching someone how to love and be a better person I'm for it create your own reality your own spirituality yes and the people around you like Steph you inspire me you know every time I come over and talk to you it's just like I'm so inspired by what you're doing and the people that you're helping and I don't think you realize how much of an impact you're having on the people around you not just me so I'm gonna have my single tear come out (laughs) once every two months calculated tear no I I it's happening now really appreciate that um I think that it's important to have these conversations and to let people in. And I don't do that very often. You know that. We've yeah. been friends for a good amount of time. Definitely. Um, and it's, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to let people in. But also, I think about being alone for the rest of my life. And am I going to be alone for the rest of my life? And did I do that to myself? Does that keep you up at night? Oh, yeah. It's kind of the same thing. It's, uh, everything is a, a little like a trigger that reminds me that I'm alone. I can keep myself busy and distracted and work, but then the second a tornado hits or we're having weather, I have no one, I'm like, is my family even gonna check on me? We just had nine tornadoes in Dallas. I didn't hear one thing. And I, I don't even know, I was talking to my therapist about this, like. Do they if, even know if you're alive? No. Like, I mean, maybe they'll check social media and like maybe my sister, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. If they even know, no. It's so hard because you live that that fear every day and and you have so many people who aspire to be you and who want to know you because of kind of where you're at and how much success you've had, especially in the lesbian community. And yet you still feel this deep fear of being alone. Yep, it's true. It's, uh, I do believe you need to to work on yourself and love yourself and and put in that, that time and energy. But there's a point where I'm like, I'm 36 and what I long for that connection is so hard to um to have in my life even though it seems so easy for a lot of people and I watch that happen and I watch people meet and they fall in love and then I document it and that's you know it's great I love those love stories but there is a time where I'm like will that ever be me do I want that you know and I've I've really um changed my view on marriage yeah. And a lot of a lot of things that really held me back in the past from um, I don't know connecting. Connecting is hard. Yeah, but working on it, working on it, and working on it. your your wife was just looking at her belly in the mirror, and it was the cutest thing. That's why I was distracted. <laughs> I couldn't even get my thought out because it was adorable. Uh, yeah, um, well. But thank you so much for being on here and Thanks, just for Steph. like just being you, being being my friend, being yeah. um, willing to get real about stuff that's hard to talk about sometimes and I appreciate you creating this opportunity to to be real and I hope that somebody listens to it and wants to 
you know, become an entrepreneur or somebody who is, you know, dealing with this and just starting their own business and, you know, understands that they're not alone in this, this whole thing. And, and, you know, I appreciate you having the medium to be able to kind of share that with the world and know that people aren't alone. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out in my brain. Thanks, homie. Appreciate Uh, you. I love you. And I will uh, talk with you soon. Let's overthink this. Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, Hey, thanks for overthinking with Steph. Can't wait to hear from you on the social. So make your way over to at Steph's podcast on Twitter and tell me your thoughts. Catch the breakdown on Patreon where we get into the nitty gritty and overthink the conversations in this episode. Until next time, keep creating scenarios that will never actually happen and live your one damn life. Don't you hate it when you wake up first thing in the morning? Mind is stirring. It's a wreck. Oh, and they-